it's an honor to love you, to to walk with you on this journey. Um, and, you know, the great thing is, is that you guys are so gracious, and that's who we are, isn't it? We are... We all recognize that we're not better than anybody else. We all recognize that everybody needs Jesus. Not just one person or one sect of people, but everybody needs Jesus. Amen? Um, I feel loud. Am I, anyway, it's just, it's just my feeling. <laughs> but if I get loud, that's loud. That, that just, whoo. That lets me know that I'm not too loud, right? Everybody's a joker these days. <laughs> you know, um, I said this earlier, but I'm not a promoter of, of Halloween because really I, I think of, uh, there's a whole lot. We could discuss the history of Halloween and the Druids and we can talk about All Hallows' Eve. We can talk about all of those different factors um, and, and the reasons why we don't promote that. You know, but you know, growing up, I didn't know any better. I didn't understand. It really wasn't until I was a little older that I began to understand the spiritual ramifications when uh, and we there were more teachings on spiritual warfare and understanding uh, the battle that was that was raging and, and and when I was younger, we didn't we didn't really talk about those things, did we? I mean, how many of you when you were younger actually went to haunted houses and, you know, did all that kind of stuff. I mean, look, I remember my youth group putting on a haunted house. We did it as a fundraiser. I know you're probably laughing, like, what, are you crazy? I, I remember, you know, you got to realize that when you think about haunted houses, you think, it's all a production of fear. It's to cause fear in us. I mean, what movies come out during this time of the season? Not Hallmark movies. That's next month. My wife's already making her list. <laughs> Yours too, huh? <laughs> and men, it's all right to turn in your manly card during that month to watch Hallmark, all right? We can do it. We, we <clears throat> it takes a real man to watch Hallmark. <laughs> It takes a real man to actually get a tissue out and wipe a tear during Hallmark. <laughs> okay, I love it too. Anyway, but that's not the kind of movies that come out right now. It's like what just came out, uh, the movie Joker, right? And, um, and literally the, the, the psychotic side of that, uh, the fear factor that's brought into that. I remember, you know, uh, movies like when I was growing up, and, and, and I read an article Thursday about about the ages that kids are being introduced to these horrific shows. Uh, the average age now is like 10 or 11 years old, where, where kids are being introduced to these, uh, I, I don't know how to say this, but I want to say demonic. Because it's really, you know, it's, it's past just, scary and it's really gone very dark um you have movies like i think i think i heard you for the bible say jason and and the 15 jasons that were made <laughs> what's jason doing this year jason i mean uh there's movies like chainsaw massacre and all these crazy things that that were out and it was it was crazy but you know i remember very vividly you know I was um, a child, emotionally struggling child, who, uh, who carried a pillow with me everywhere I went. And as a six, seven-year-old child, you know, I, I clung to that pillow. It was with me all the time. I chewed the corners. How many of y'all had a kid that did that kind of thing? I'm the only one. <laughs> I mean... It, was, it had a color, but in the corners, it was bleached out from where I chewed on it so much, right? And, and my daddy, against my mom's better judgment, took me to a haunted house. I remember to this day, I'm scarred deeply, 40 years later. 
And I remember walking in, and, and get this, guys. I mean, I know this is going to be really crazy, but this was in a basement of a church. <laughs> and my dad, you know, I'm, I'm going through these little rooms, and my dad's got me in his arm, you know, and, and uh, I am scared to death. And, and, and all I remember at the end was this guy come out of a closet with a chainsaw. Dude, get me out of there now. That's all I knew. Get me out of here, you know. And, and I got outside and, and, and all of a sudden I realized, where's my pillow? I've lost the comforter. <laughs> I've lost my, that thing that I hold to, that thing that I embrace, that thing that eases me. And lo and behold, I didn't know this till like later years. My daddy looks at me and says, you must have dropped it inside. Do you want to go back and get it? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Of course, you know, my dad told me in later years that when we were walking through there, he grabbed it and threw it. <laughs> I've been working on forgiveness ever since. How many of you ever had to walk through some fearful things in life? Yeah. The fact is, is that on a daily basis, we deal with different types of phobias, anxieties, and things that we face, and, and what that means to us, what that hinders us from, what that keeps us from fulfilling, right? And this morning, I want to just share for a few moments on fear. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6, starting with verse 9. And if you forgot your Bible, it's on the screen. <clears throat> For all of them were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. When I entered the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of uh, Mehetabal, who was confined to home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you and they are coming to kill you at night. Verse 11, but I said, should a man like me flee? And he could... <clears throat> And could one such as I go into a temple to, to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that surely God had not sent him, but he uttered his prophecies against me because Tobiah and Sunbalat had hired him. Verse 13. He was hired for this reason, that I might become frightened and act accordingly and sin so that they might have an evil report in order that they could reproach me. Remember Oh my God, Tobiah and Sunbalat, according to these works of theirs, and also Noada, the prophetess, and the rest of the prophets who were trying to frighten me. Hmm. And they're going, I like it. So the wall was complete, completed on the 25th of the month of Elul in, the 52, in 52 days. When all our enemies heard of it, all the nations surrounding us saw it. They lost their confidence, for they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for examples like this that teach us and help us to be sensitive to your spirit and to grow in you, Lord, and to not allow the things of this world to influence and hinder the plan of God. Direct us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, when I look at this passage of Scripture, I, I think of um, what all that um, Nehemiah is going through at this time. And I, I literally, literally go back into the, even the first parts of the Scripture and, and, and where Samballot uh, had get, called him and said, Hey, let's come meet together. How I many know that the enemy wants you to come to them, right? And let's meet together. And he, he came with this uh, idea, well, 
uh, to intimidate. And he's already thrown intimidations out there. He's already tried to uh, call what, uh, what he has done, what Nehemiah had already accomplished, that it was trash, that the foxes could run on the top of it, and it would, it would fall down. Can you do anything with these burnt stones? And all that stuff was taking place. All that hardship. And, and, and here we find that after all of those threats and after all of that uh, comments, again, he's coming to him to accuse. How many know that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren? Right? You know, the hardest part is, is that it's one thing to say what I've done is not the greatest. Uh, I could probably say, well, yeah, you're right. You know, it's, it's one thing to say, well, what you're trying to do is probably not the best. And I could say, well, you know, you might be right. But then he then begins to attack his character. Begins to attack and slander who, he, who Nehemiah was. He said, look, well, I'll write letters and tell, them, tell the king that you're just a rebellion. You're starting a rebellion. That hurts, doesn't it? You know, the hardest thing in life is when our person is attacked. When, we, when, we, when our character is being attacked. And here... His character was being attacked, saying, you know, you're, you're, this is your motive, this is, your, this is what you're trying to do, and, and, and trying to bring all kinds of, of fear into his life, trying to uh, keep him from fulfilling the plan. And I, I love what Nehemiah says in, in verse 9. He says, but now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. How many understand that, that fear is debilitating? It holds us back, and but faith is the opposite of fear. If we truly trust God and truly have faith in God, then fear is set aside and we know that God is in control. Amen? Amen. There's three specific things that fear does. Fear degrades our Lord. If you have your outline, I actually left spaces so you can write in it today. Is that okay? This is the makeup for the last few weeks of me not having an outline. And I can't, can't promise you that next week I'll have one, but anyway. Fear degrades our Lord. It's almost an insult to God when you really think about it. An insult to His sovereignty. I mean, when you truly understand that God Himself is, is sovereign, that He is in control, that, I mean, this is the, this is the God that we believe I mean, flung the stars into the skies, who spoke existence, and light was manifest. This is the God who created the heavens and the earth. This is the God who spoke, who knew you as, as before, your, before you were even born, as a twink, before you was a twinkling in your mother's eye. God knew you. This is that God that is sovereign. And, and when you think that, uh, when we begin to fear it, it, it eliminates that faith to know that God is. And the, and the fear says, no, no, he didn't. It's an insult to the providence of God. Because when you, we believe that, that we are God's creation. We believe that the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered of God. How many believe that? And if we're walking after the, the Spirit of God in the leading of the Holy Spirit, then God's plan will be manifest in our life. But fear would keep us from the plan, and it's an insult of the providence of God. It's an insult to the, the power of God. I mean, we understand that God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And if, if we truly believe that God is all-powerful, and we truly believe that God can manifest Himself in any situation to bring deliverance, to bring hope, to help us out of every circumstance, then, then when we begin to fear, it is an insult to the power of God that says, no, you can't, God. I'm hot, sorry. It's hard when these uh, temperatures are changing, right? And can't get our heat and air adjusted correctly, but maybe I'm just hot because I'm yelling. Sorry. But you know, I think of, I think of Israel. Israel, when they were being brought out of Egypt, God had delivered them, and and they were standing at the, at the entrance of the river. And yet here comes Pharaoh's army, 
to destroy them. And they're caught right there. And, and all of a sudden, all of this fear begins to well up inside of them. I mean, it's almost as if, have you not forgot what God just did? Have you not, don't you remember that God just used ten plagues manifest to bring deliverance and brought you out of the bondage? And yet here they are, you know, standing at the river like, oh my God, how can you, how are you going to help us now? Fearful. You would think that they wouldn't be afraid, but yet, I mean, it's not that they just saw one uh, miracle take place, but they dispelled every god of Egypt. God, God manifested himself and showed that he was greater than every deity that they believed in and showed that he was almighty and they saw how he wiped out the enemy and how he brought the pestilence and all the different, all the different uh, manifestations in Egypt and yet in the midst of their escape, in the midst of their being delivered, once again they feared. You think, well, you know, why? And then all of a sudden, God in his gracious love, how many know God's gracious? God in his gracious love comes down and then he parts the water for them and, and, and they walk across on dry land Two million plus people walk across on dry land and, and now they're not afraid, right? Uh, no. They get across and, and, and they're walking and, and everything seems to be okay. Well, look, woo, we got delivered and all of a sudden we're hungry. Moses, did you bring us out into this wilderness just for us to die? Once again. Fear overwhelms them. God graciously manifests and brings water out of a rock and provides them with water. And, and you think that's good? It's not enough. I'm hungry. God supplies manna, brings down food from heaven to supply their every need. And guess what? Is that enough? Here they gather at the, at the entrance of the promised land. Everything's beautiful. Everything's glorious. All the spies go in. They, ooh, they're reporting on how big the grapes are and how beautiful the land is and how plentiful it is. And ooh, God has promised us this. And, and in the midst of that promise, these spies come back. Ten of them come back and say, ooh, I don't know. We can't do this. These guys, they got big giants over there. And once again, debilitated, once again devastated by fear, keeping them from reaching the promise. Let me tell you something, God's got some promises for us. And even though the obstacles seem greater than the promise, if God's promised, it will take place. If God said it, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not, it will happen. Amen? Because if God doesn't see you through it, he'll see somebody else to it. Amen? Amen. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 and 8, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? That's what the word of God tells us. And Paul goes on and says, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. You got to get this picture in your mind. This is the Apostle Paul. He's in prison and he's telling the guy who's free, <laughs> right? He's telling the guy who's free, don't be afraid. This means that fear should have nothing to do with the circumstances that we find ourselves because God is with us no matter where we are, no matter what trial we find ourselves, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves, we have to. We have to know that fear is a choice and we need to trust God through it all. Thank you, Josh, for allowing me to sing that song. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Amen. 
2 Timothy 1 and 12. For, for the which cause I, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom, whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. Even in prison. He, this is Paul. I'm in prison, but I know who's in control. I'm struggling right here in this place, but I know who's got me in his hands. I know that if, if I will trust him, that he will guide me and he will lead me, even if it means that I've got to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that I'll, I don't have to fear evil, for you are with me, God. You're there in the midst of my trial, and I'm trusting that you are sovereign. I'm trusting that you are a God who will guide, who has providence for me. I'm trusting that there's the power of God to lead me out of darkness. Nehemiah, like the Apostle Paul, he's not focused on the enemy. If he was focused on the enemy, when he says, he says, he sees all this taking place. He sees what the enemy's trying to do. And he says, you know, they're just doing this to frighten me. But he declares... But God strengthened my hands. That's the, that's the attitude that we have to take in the midst of our trial. God strengthened my hands. God, I know that you're with me. I know that you're sovereign. I know that you have a plan that you called me to this place. And I know that you are powerful. And if you have called me and you have a plan and your power is real, then you will see me through this in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Fear degrades our Lord. But fear destroys, also fear destroys our lives. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man brings a snare. But whoso puts his trust in the Lord will be safe. Those of you who are coming on Wednesday nights know that we're doing a study on the bait of Satan, uh, talking about the snare, the bait stick of the enemy, the trap. And when we grasp behold us we understand this how uh, I many know the enemy has set a trap for you he wants to ensnare or enslave or debilitate you through whatever means possible um, my father-in-law has has had problems with what are those animals called Eat, otters eating all of his fish in his pond some great reason the Wildlife Commission decided that they needed otters in their area and let them loose. And they're destroying all the ponds in, in that area. And so he has set some traps up to catch them. But he's got a dog that likes to get out. And the dog was walking with him and they were walking down the trail and all of a sudden the dog wasn't there. And he goes back and the trap, it, it, you walk through and it clamps down on you to suffocate. And the dog was sick enough that it was sitting there, but it couldn't bark. It could barely breathe. And so he was able to run and grab a, uh, a stick to pull the trap back to get the dog out. That's horrific, I'm sorry. The dog's alive and well. It still licks and still bites and all that good stuff. But that is the trap of the enemy. If he can get you to suffocate you, he gets you where you can't yell anymore. He, he gets the breath out of you and he squeezes you. He gets you isolated and you, you can't yell for help anymore. And then you sit there all by yourself. Until all the breath is out and until you literally are gone. The enemy wants to ensnare us, wants to entrap us, wants to keep us and immobilize us and render us ineffective for the, for the kingdom of God. We see right here in the text that that is what Shemaiah had come to do. I mean, and what's unique about the scripture is that it says this in verse 4. Sorry. On down, sorry. Basically said that he was confined to his home. In other words, Shemaiah, his father, and his grandfather goes, were confined to their home. The son of this, the son of that was confined to their home. Think about this. 
This was a generational thing. In other words, how many know that bound people will bind people? Bound people will bind people. Now, whether it was Shemaiah who uh, says he was the hireling, uh, that he was a false prophet, all that good stuff, but the reality is, is that he was bound himself. And let me tell you something, if you're following a bound person, you're going to find yourself bound. If you're, fi- if you're following the trap, you're going to be trapped. And so, here he finds himself, Shemaiah come and said, hey, I've been staying inside, I've been hiding because this is a bad thing. You need to come with me to the temple, we're going to go hide. Listen, this ain't in there, but this is just a revelation that I feel. I feel like Christian people are hiding in sanctuaries and auditoriums all across the land and are afraid to speak their voice out in the public and, and, and bound people have bound people. God's not called us to be a four-wall church. He's called us to be out into the world, to, be, to go into the highways, into the byways, to love on people and to compel them to come in. We can come in here and pat a cake. We can stand and raise our hands. We can speak with the tongues of men and angels. But if we have not love, what's in us? If we're so bound and afraid to reach out into a world who needs Jesus, then what have we done? We've been a part of a religious thing, and it's great and glorious, but God's not called us to be religious. He's told us to be followers of Christ and to do the things that Christ Jesus did. And Nehemiah recognized, hey, wait a minute. Yes, I could go to the temple. Yes, I could go in there and uh, even recognize what David said. You know, oh, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. I would love to abide in the temple all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of God. But what Nehemiah realized that God had called him back from bondage to be a deliverer of his people to build the walls of Israel. And if he went to the temple and hide, the project that God called him to do would not be fulfilled. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because he says, would I run into the temple to be saved? Don't get, all, don't get all tore up here now. It is not the temple that saves you. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you can be saved sitting in your room. You can, be, you can lead somebody to the Lord Jesus in the hospital or, the, or CARM or wherever you find someone who's broken, you can lead them to Jesus wherever they are. We come here because... I feel God's called us to be a hospital where people, where broken people come to be healed in order to go back out and be effective. And if God's called us to that, if we allow the fear of the world to overwhelm us, then we are allowing that to destroy the thing that God has called us to be. For he said, I have, for I have created you in Christ Jesus unto good works. Therefore, there's things that we are called to do in this world that cannot be done sitting in a pew in a sanctuary. Do we need to come? Yes, we do. I will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some, but encouraging each other so much more as we see the day approaching. Yes, we come here because we need, we are the body of Christ. Every one of us have different gifts. Every one of us have different talents, and we need each other. But we come here to be built up, to be encouraged, to grow from the Word of God, to find out the mandate of God of what He would have us to do out there. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Ball. Go ahead. <laughs> fear immobilizes. Fear gets into a place because fear causes us to forget these things. Who God is. Who we are. And what God has done for us. We've got to recognize who God is. Who we are. And what God's done for us. Fear destroys our life. It causes a snare. The Bible says in 1 John 4 and 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. And he that fears is not made perfect in love. Fear has torment. Kind of like me tormenting over that lost pillow. 
fear has torment. How many people do you know who are physically tormented because of fear? They may not call it fear. These days we have all different kind of uh, psychological terms. Anxiety. Depression. All of these different terms that have been put on us. And the underlying current is because of fear. I remember as a, as a young 16-year-old boy who was going to school for full-time, working a co-op job uh, during the morning from school, and then uh, going in and working at a, uh, a mini-shift at, at Millican, and trying to keep up with the dating scene and all that stuff, living with a great-uncle who was in remission of cancer, cooking his meals, cleaning his house, doing all that. I, it became overwhelming, and, and I allowed myself to get into this anxious mode all the time, trying to run from one thing to the next, trying to keep up with life. And I developed this horrible ulcers in my body. Got so sick. Let me tell you something. God's not called us to keep up with the rat race of the world. God's called us to keep our eyes on Jesus. And whatever Jesus leads us to do, that's what we do. Because if you're trying to keep up with the rat race, doing everything that you think's a good thing, just because you think it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. Because if you can't keep up with your family, now I'm not telling you that, I'm not telling you that your family, uh, sometimes, how many know that sometimes we, we have put agendas in our family that wear us out, right? Not everything's necessary. But the fact is, is that there are basic needs of your family you need to keep up. They need your attention. They need your love. They need to know that they're cared about. They need to be fed. They need to have a good place to sleep. They need all these things. They don't need every Fortnite thing. They don't need every, you know, Rocket League or whatever your kids are up to. Okay, I've given in a little bit. Fear, fear brings torment, anxiety, ulcers, high blood pressure, stomach problems because of stress, trying to, trying to cope with life. And God's never called you to cope with the problems of this world. God's called you to be healed. And if you're healed, then you don't cope with. You walk with the favor of God because they're no longer affecting who you are because you are no longer bound by the stresses of of the past. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I'm free. Amen. Who's terrified of public speaking? Will you come up and finish this message for me? <laughs> yeah, okay. Fear's like a sand and machinery. You know, have you ever poured some sand in machinery? It just grinds it up, dude, and tears it down. But faith is like the oil, the Holy Spirit that loosens everything up. It just gets you going. So we need to be, now allow faith to rise in us. You know, there was this one guy who, his brother passed away, and his brother was a millionaire. And he was very old, up in age, and his kids were afraid to tell him. They said, look, we're afraid to tell him that his brother died, that he was going to inherit a million dollars because he might have a heart attack. So they went to the preacher. The preacher, you deal with these things all the time. Why don't you go and break the news to our dad? So the preacher went to the, the dad, and he sat down with him, and he was telling him, you know, um, asking cordial questions, how are you doing, all that stuff. And he says, I want to give you a hypothetical uh, situation, sir. He said, what if someone died and gave you a million dollars? What would you do? He said, well, Pastor, he says, I'm getting old. And really, there's nothing I can do with a million dollars. I would just give it to the church. And then the pastor fell over and had a heart attack. <laughs> oh, well. What you going to do with him? Fear brings a snare. Fear, fear brings torment. 
And fear brings bondage. Hebrews chapter 2 and 15. And he might free those who fear of death, through fear of death, were subject to slavery all their lives. I mean, there's so many people that really can't even enjoy the moment because they're afraid of what might happen. Well, I can't let them go there. Little Johnny might get hurt. Right? No, I don't want them to do that. That's just too dangerous. And, and for whatever reason, we, 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 we then pass that thing off. We project our fear. We project our uh, anxieties over onto those that we love because we're so afraid of, of them being hurt or them being messed up. Right? How many of you are carrying or or, or have a fear of something because your parents feared it. Right? My, my, my wife's dad built a, a tornado bunker in Tullahoma, Tennessee. That, I, don't, I don't even know if there's ever been a tornado in Tullahoma, Tennessee. And he's got this single level house and under the front porch he, he poured a slab and it was a slab of concrete he come out about um, about four feet and literally hand dug down and then dug the whole thing out and put brick walls under it and threw a ladder in it. He said, just in case. Of course, he was raised in Lawrence County, Tennessee, where there, where there had been a lot of tornadoes in his life growing up. So, but he carried that fear of storms. And, and to this day, if there's a sight of storms or whatever, Kim's like, let's go to the bathroom and let's hide in this tub. I'll be in trouble for that one. <laughs> but we project those things on other people. And we get so tense that we just pass those things around. Now look, I'm not saying that it's not something to be, you know, aware of when there's storms around but but i'm talking about life in general be careful that we're not allowing fear to bring us into bondage to keep us from really enjoying the things that god has called us to do i mean look if we are afraid of uh, violent things we might not go down and feed the homeless but the fact is, is that we don't know what the homeless have been through. I mean, we don't know what's brought them there. We don't know the struggles they've had. And, and therefore, if God's called us to go reach the homeless, then let's go reach the homeless. Because if God's called us to it, he's going to walk with us through it. He's going to be the provider and the strength giver and the anointing and the power and all of that stuff because he is with us. If I would have been afraid I would have never stepped foot out of the United States to go to Honduras but when God called us to do it everybody said you're crazy taking five babies down there to Honduras we're walking around and in San Pedro Sula a city of two million people in every grocery store or wherever we went these cotton top kids with blonde hair stuck out like a sore thumb everywhere we went and everybody we passed had to touch that hair Ooh, that's, I ain't never seen that before that's cotton top he was blonde, blonde, and he was blonde, blonde. Everybody wanted to touch. And guess what? Yes, we did get robbed. Yes, we did have some scary moments. But if we would have allowed fear to keep us from fulfilling God's plan, there wouldn't be a school that has 300 kids attending today who are being touched and transformed by the glory and power of God. There wouldn't be new churches planted in La Mosquitia. There wouldn't be new churches planted in Belize if God had not led us to a place and helped us to overcome the fear and anxiety of being in a different country, not knowing the language when we moved down there. But God is faithful. And now there's the Vessels of Mercy Clinic that, that has over 30,000 patients that consider it their primary care clinic because the grace of God allowed a people that wasn't from there to go and touch their lives. God is faithful. Yes, Jesus. Well, they say the, the mind can only uh, receive what the bottom can endure. 
It's time. Amen. Lastly is fear delights the enemy. Fear delights the enemy. Look, Nehemiah was a gifted leader. He was, I mean, he was the cupbearer of the king. And he had found favor and was allowed to go back to his people to help build them a protective wall around Israel. He was, he was not just some Joe off the street. God had called him to the specific task. And in this process, it would have been easy to be paralyzed. But if Nehemiah would have allowed the fear to have paralyzed him, it would have kept him from completing the task that God called him to do. Reality is, is that if we don't use the gift that God's given us, if we don't walk in the favor and the blessings that the Lord has provided for us, we lose out on accomplishing the things of God. Nehemiah 6 and 13 says, recognizing Shemaiah, he was, a hi- he was hired for this reason, that I might become frightened and act accordingly and sin. What's that mean? He said, look, if I allow what this guy's telling me to do, if I allow that to affect me, then acting accordingly, I would go and hide and not accomplish the thing that God's called me to do. And sin. The Bible says it this way. The person that knows to do what is right and that does it not, it is sin. Oh, Lord, Pastor, you're saying that word. That's, that's unpopular today. Can't believe you talk about sin and hell and all that stuff. Hey, the fact is, is that if we're not fulfilling the plan that God's called us to, we are not walking in God's presence and glory. And if you're not walking in the presence and the anointing and the power of God, then you're walking in your own abilities and the power of this world. You can't have it both ways. I don't want the enemy to prod me on and clap and say, yeah, that's the way you do it. I want to know that the favor of God is looking down and saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the glories of the Lord. I want to know that I'm being obedient to the plan and will of God. I mean, look. The story was given in Matthew 25 where talents were given to different servants. One servant was given five and he went back and produced five. One servant was given three, went back and produced double it, you know, right? And then here's this one servant says, I knew you were shrewd. I knew you reaped where you didn't sow. And, and I took that one talent and I buried it. Look, every one of you given been given talents. Some of you are super talented. You've got more than one. But what are you doing with the talents that God gave you? What are you doing with the gifts that God has poured into you? Look, there's not one person in this room can say, I'm not gifted. The Bible says he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto mankind. Every one of us have been given a gift from God. Every one of us have an ability that God has put into us to use for his glory because he says do all to the glory of God. And if we've been given a gift, what are we doing with it? What is hindering us from being obedient? Are we afraid that somebody might say something? Are we afraid that, that look, Jesus help me. I want my kids to know that I'm using my gifts for God. Because if I'm walking in mediocrity, guess what my kids are going to walk? Less than me. John Maxwell talks about the law of the lid. Whatever you're doing, those under you will do that that and less. 
So if you're 80% on fire for Jesus, your kids are going to be 79 or less. Oh me, Pastor. I'm encouraging you today. Don't let the enemy be delighted in your mediocrity. Don't let the enemy be happy with you just giving partial. How many know that the enemy's happy when we, when we just give a little bit? He knows he can't get you to fall into drugs. He knows he can't get you to just all out give up on Jesus. So he'll just water you down enough that, that, you're, that you just don't fulfill God's plan. Well, I go to church and I pay my tithes and I clap my hands and I say amen. But there's more. There's more. There's people in your circle of influence that need Jesus, and you might be the only light that reaches them. There's people that God's got in your circle. This is, this is Nehemiah. He's building his circle of influence. He's just about got the walls up, and all he needs to do is put the gates on. And he said, whoa, wait a minute. This guy's moving. He's moving along. I better stop him. There's some people that's in your circle of influence, and the enemy's trying to stop you from reaching them. But don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give up in the, in the process. Know that the, the Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Know that the Word of God says that we are overcomers because greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. We can't stop. We can't give up. We've got to learn to trust. We've got to learn to surrender. We've got to learn to allow God to be God in us. I feel like I'd be doing an injustice if I don't do this. This morning, if you are struggling with fear in your life, whether it be a phobia of sickness, fear of death, whether it's an anxiety that you've allowed to hinder your ability to serve. If you're struggling with that this morning, this is not condemnation, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is, a, this is a moment where you say, I am acknowledging, and by faith, I'm asking God to deliver me from this. If you'll say that this morning, would you be willing to come forward right now? Can we pray with you right now? Yes, amen. Anyone else? Maybe the fear is, I'm afraid to come forward. <laughs> That's real, right? Well, you're not alone. If that's you, would you just reach to somebody beside you and say, look, will you help me? I need to overcome this. I need to overcome this. Anyone else? I'm ready to break the chains of fear off my life. I'm ready to let loose of all of the anxieties that have held me back. I'm ready to allow the Spirit of God to function in my life, to fulfill the plan that He has for me. I am no longer going to allow the enemy to delight in me. I give it all today. How many of you have ever seen fear broken off of somebody? Amen? If you've been delivered of fear, I just want one or two people right now. If, you, if you've been delivered of fear, I want you to come right now. Come help me pray with these right here. Yes. I've been set free. Been set free. you just stretch your hands this way right now as we believe for these father i thank you god lord your word says that we're being transformed from glory unto glory and lord your word tells us that perfect love casts out all fear i'm praying for the perfect love right now to flow lord god there might not be anyone in this room that knows the pain that we've suffered there might not be anyone in this room that understands the circumstances that we have faced. 
Lord, the words that have been spoken over us, the activities that have pierced our heart. Just like the Apostle Paul who was dragged out of the city and stoned and thought dead. God, we feel broken. But today, by the love of Jesus Christ and the heartfelt embrace of the Holy Spirit, today we rise above. Today we surrender that brokenness. Today we surrender the pain of the past. Today we speak to the enemy of fear. We say, faith arises in me because greater is he that is in me. The love of Jesus, the love of Christ, the love of the Father is flowing today in this, in my situation. Today, I recognize that I am made whole in Christ Jesus. I don't have to surrender any longer to the past or to the experience of yesterday, but I can walk in the favor and fruitfulness of the Holy Spirit and know that I am righteous by the Holy Ghost. I am new in all things because of Christ Jesus, because I am in Him We're your temple today. We're your temple. And God, whatever furniture needs to be moved around, whatever needs to be purged, whatever needs to be cleansed, whatever needs to be renewed, whatever needs to be shifted, today shift in us. Rearrange our thoughts. Rearrange our emotions. Rearrange our past, God, and renew us. Renew us, Jesus. Right now, every curse that has been spoken be broken in Jesus' name. Every chain of the past be broken in Jesus' name. Freedom, freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom by the power and love of the Holy Spirit. Freedom cause of the blood that was shed on Calvary. Freedom, Jesus, for the testimony that we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. And we're more than conquerors because you have conquered. God, we break everything. Every hindrance be broken in Jesus. Lord, let the prophetic word flow through and let nothing hinder. This is a vessel that you've called for glory, a vessel that you've called for honor, a vessel that can reach and touch lives that many can't. But Lord, you're raising him up. And the enemy wants to distract and deter him from the plan. But in the name of Jesus, there's purpose and power and anointing And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would guard and protect his mind and his life. Let the anointing rest upon him, Jesus. Let the angelic presence, God, surround and protect your servant. In the name of Jesus. Lord, right now, 